Welcome to Radio Free Culture from WFMU, where we examine issues at the intersection of digital media and the arts. My name is Cheyenne Homan, and in this episode, we'll be talking with Tom Ray and Doug Whitfield, co-hosts of the Music Manumit podcast. This is part one of two, in which we discuss Creative Commons and how it has caught on over the last few years. Thanks for joining me today. would you like to start by introducing yourself, since our listeners don't know your voices, probably, unless they've listened to your podcast before? Well, I'll go first, just because that's the kind of guy. Um, uh, I'm Tom Ray. Uh, I'm the uh, one of the co-hosts of the Music Manumet podcast and the uh, singer and songwriter for the band Lorenzo's Music. And I'm Doug Whitfield, and I'm also one of the co-hosts, and I do so many things, it's not even worth having a list at this point. So, If any of them become relevant during the discussion, we can talk about them. Okay. So tell me about uh, your podcast. How long have you been doing your podcast? That's a good question. Uh, it's Did we start back in 2011, Doug? No, it was 2010. It's been four and a half years, almost to, the, almost to the day. Um, wow. So it's been minus a week. It's been four and a half years. We started it right before my birthday? No, no, no. Four and a half years. Oh, there you go. See, Six there's... months away from your birthday. All right. That's what... One of the reasons I like to have Doug on is because he uh, shows me when because he remembers. Yeah, there you go. Because he remembers my birthday. Uh, Doug and I were members of various uh, Linux user groups in town here, and uh, you know different computer type groups in Madison back when he used to live here. And uh, he knew that I was a musician, and I was also in, interested in Creative Commons and uh, using that for my band, and you know sharing music and stuff. And we got to talking, and originally the idea started that he wanted to create an event, you know, showing musicians how to use Creative Commons and uh, getting other Creative Commons musicians involved. Problem is, is I think I was the only person in town here that was actively using it, so it didn't seem to be very relevant. And I was, I was kind of dabbling in podcasting at the time. Uh, with one with my band and two with just a personal project I did with a friend of mine where we just drink beer and listen to music and talk about it. And I suggested we do something that's more longstanding and something that we, you know, kind of can keep going to go along with the different changes of Creative Commons and talk about using it in music. And I suggested a podcast and we started it from there. Yeah, there was this thing called Open Everything and we were trying to branch out not just in music but in you know, the thing was called open everything. So literally anything where anybody would basically be interested in openness. And Tom was like literally the only person that stepped up. Like we had other people that came and were like interested and seemed like they might do some stuff. But when it came to like pushing things forward and actually like taking the next step, everybody just started doing their own thing. So um, here we are. (laughs) Yeah, so... Um, you all were, you said you're like the only two people interested in Creative Commons music in the area? As far as we knew. And it's, we found from doing the show that that's not uncommon. We'll talk to bands that are very, very involved in it. And one of the questions that uh, has stayed as a staple from our show is uh, what other type of Creative Commons, or what's Creative Commons like in your area, we try to ask. Or at least, do you know any other Creative Commons musicians? 
And you'd be surprised how many of them be like, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't know of anyone. And, you know, but they are and they're involved with other musicians in their area, but they'll be the only one. So it's not that uncommon, which is very strange. It, it depends, too, on what you define as the area. So in Milwaukee, they have, um, I think it's mkepunk.net, maybe .com. But anyway, there's a whole catalog of Creative Commons um, punk and hard, hardcore musicians. Um, now, we haven't spoken to any of them because it's all non-derivatives. And that's sort of a story that we probably don't need to get into as to why they're non-derivatives. But Milwaukee has its own thing. But, of course, Milwaukee is a lot bigger than Madison. So it's not shocking that there's more Creative Commons musicians in yeah. Milwaukee than there is Madison. And, and it's changed, too. Um, we have an interview coming up with band Lords of Trident that's in Madison in a couple months. So they're out there. We just maybe we'll find some more eventually. Sure. We will find you. <laughs> so, Doug, you've relocated, right? I've relocated multiple times. I think just twice, actually. But I'm relocating again pretty soon. So. He's oh. a drifter. <laughs> Have you found uh, Creative Commons communities or groups of artists in the places that you've relocated to? Or have you really just connected with artists through your podcast? Yeah, so I was in uh, Concord, New Hampshire for law school. And I didn't try at all there. I just I didn't have time. And but now I'm in Baltimore and there's actually just in the last couple of days, I started looking at, you know, who's in Baltimore. I, I, I kind of asked around before and didn't get a lot of response. KG House is the one person that that's a stage name that, you know, was suggested to me. And so I talked about having him on the show, but he wasn't, you know, he's a creative commons musician, but he was like, well, I don't really want to do interviews. And we get that sometimes. It's not too often that we get that, but every once in a while we get that. What is your goal in doing the Music Manumit podcast? One of my goals, I would say, is I just like meeting other musicians. Uh, it's a good chance to do it. And I think with this being such a, a kind of a niche, it sometimes isn't even really about Creative Commons to me. It's really about how bands are just trying to get out there and they're trying to use the new formats and the new ways of sharing music, you know, and owning their own their own uh, music. Uh, I just like discussing uh, things with them and learning things from them. We've had a bunch of people on that will turn me on to uh, different types of software, different types of websites to use, services that uh, really support the type of thing we're thinking about. And that's that's kind of what I enjoy about it. I just I I just like meeting other musicians and it's it's been cool so the manifesto i suppose would be originally that uh even though i was kind of understanding creative commons i wanted to know more if you listen back to one of our first couple of shows i completely make a misstatement about what i understand creative commons and copyright to be completely and our first guest even corrects me and like going no you got that wrong and i'm like going good that's why i'm glad we're doing this because i want to know more about this i want to build my knowledge from that um, and uh, trying to let other musicians know that it's a way to share your music. It doesn't mean that you have to give your music away for free. It, you can still monetize your music if you want to sell it, but there are ways that other people can use it uh, and be successful, like with your Kelly Maisies or with your, uh, I'd like to say, Freak Fandango Orchestra. I feel like they have a really good following. They toured the U.S. and they're a Creative Commons band just to name a few off the top of my head. I mean, I know there are many, many more. We've talked to so many bands. Um, and that, that was why I did it. Now, I know these bands and can uh, talk to them or uh, converse with them at any time, and even net labels. So that would be, that would be my reasoning behind it. 
Yeah, I mean, so I'm, you know, interested in openness and sharing, you know, across the spectrum, not just in music. But both of my parents are professional musicians, and I've been involved in music either as a performer or as, I guess, a promoter, um, an event promoter and stuff for a long time. I mean, I did a lot of sort of like event promotion in high school and in college. So, you know, when I moved out of Chapel Hill to go to Madison, you know, that was something that I wasn't really doing, you know, until Tom came up with the idea for the show. I wasn't really doing anything in music. I mean, I, I sort of like put together or like, you know, talked about maybe getting in a band or something like that. But uh, it wasn't really what I wanted to do at the time. So this was felt like the the perfect thing at the time. Cool. Um, so do you all follow particular net labels or artists or like where do you find people to interview on your podcast? So I, I do all of the, the scheduling. So yeah. as long as as long as it's a musician or a sound artist, you know, regardless of whether they call themselves a musician or not, I pretty much just pick whoever. Um, if we end up do, talking to somebody that is, you know, a service provider of some sort, you know, if it's somebody we haven't had on the show, then I'll, I'll ask Tom and just make sure, like, is this something you think is relevant? Um, but, you know, I don't, I don't really think about, you know, do I like this artist or, you know, what sort of genre? Because there's a lot of music that I don't really listen to a lot of. Like, I don't listen to a lot of country music. And I don't even know if we've had any country music artists on. But it's not because I'm only picking artists that I don't do. Like, we've had a lot of experimental musicians on or... You know, they might not call themselves, you know, uh, experimental, but, you know, that's the, the noise, the ambient. We've had a fair amount of those. And it's not something I really listen to, but, you know, I, that's why I try to be as genre agnostic as possible, just to make sure that we have a good variety, because there's proof um, that people do like the genre specific shows, like um, the open metal cast, for example. Um, people And people have asked for me to continue doing the punk show because they, they like, you know, the specifics. But I think if we you know, just sort of looked at like one specific genre or just what we like. I mean, um, Tom and I are both like, I like heavier stuff, but we're both still pretty much in, you know, heavy into rock. So uh, I think it would, we'd be missing out on a lot if we did that. It is interesting. I mean, me and Doug do, we like some similar things, but we also have vastly different tastes. And, and that's, and, you know, we know that. And it's, it's kind of interesting, the stuff that, uh, he listens to if you if you compare our last FM uh, sort of scrabbling tracks, they're they're not really that similar at all. But uh, as far as finding people, it's really just trying to find people in the realm. We're more interested about meeting them, not like going, oh, we can't possibly have that type of musician on. That's never anything that comes up in the conversation. Uh, it's really just more about people involved in the community. And if you know, coming from where I'm at, I don't necessarily listen to stuff just because it's Creative Commons. Uh, I enjoy that that's a fact, but I also am just very much into uh, what kind of music is created. But I will say that uh, the FMA definitely, uh, the Free Music Archive definitely upped the game as far as archiving uh, Creative Commons material. And, and uh, when we discovered that as we were doing the podcast, it, it really opened our eyes to different types of of music that was out there and the availability of it, just because of the really well done curation. God, I sound like I'm really just sucking up to you guys, don't I? Um, we don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, it really was, the, the fact that it's curated uh, makes a huge difference. And it's very much like what net labels do, which 
I, I, I think that there's definitely a benefit to that. Yeah, you know, you mentioned like this sort of uh, solo artists and noise artists on Creative Commons and in that community. And I think that there's sort of some crossover there with like the technological degree of nerdiness that comes along with doing a lot of noise music in some yeah. circles. But I think it's it's interesting to see that there are still some genres that just are not aware of or embracing the mm-hmm. Creative Commons sort of ethic. And I And I don't know if it's because they're not like heavy internet users or if it's just because it's not something that has occurred to the that their scene there are artists in nearly every genre that have embraced it but i feel that there's like a glut of solo noise artists in creative commons it's just interesting to me that like i've never had anybody from a bluegrass band or you know so uh cletus got shot is the immediate name that comes to mind when I hear bluegrass and creative yeah. comments. However, they're on hiatus right now. So, but their recordings are still out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I always found it funny as far as electronic musicians go, most of the time, electronic musicians who will sometimes use sampled things or things like that will release their stuff under non-derivative. And I always find that very strange. Uh, it's not that uncommon to run into an electronic artist that doesn't want their stuff used with a derivative. Even though they're deriving from other exactly. <laughs> I, yeah. I find that very interesting. I And I think that may be, to a degree, a misunderstanding of what that means. Yeah. A lot of folks it's, who want to use Creative Commons are really excited about the idea, but they're also very um, unaware of what they're actually allowing people to do with their work. Yeah, and that is, that is exactly some of the conversation we have on the show, like uh, with people saying they use their stuff uh, under non-commercial because they don't want it to be used. And the example we usually get is something like, you know, uh, they don't want... Exxon. There you go. Everybody uses Exxon as the example, which I think is awesome. Um, uh, You know, because Exxon is just searching the free music archive looking for music. Really, if you think about it, and you put your stuff under Creative Commons, not using using the non-commercial, they have to put their stuff, especially if you do share alike, they have to put their stuff under the same license. So how awesome would that be if Exxon did a commercial using their music and, first of all, didn't do it under the same attributions li- uh, license? And second, if they did, then you get to use what they did. And you can do whatever the heck you want to their stuff and release that, you know, it, it, on top of it. I mean, it's the whole, it's the whole give and take. It's, it's kind of, I, I think that there's another layer there that I wish would uh, happen so we could have somebody actually release something like that, like uh, if, if some conglomerate organization were to uh, release something like that and then here's the remixable of that so we did have uh, i think it was nissan used some of chris zabriskie's stuff I mean, oh yeah it, but they used it appropriately if they did. i remember the story correctly so and he's also the one that uh had his music used in porn right uh, he's one of them yes i mean yeah. you don't think of that like nobody uses that example uh <laughs> but then he did and i was like come on this has got to be the first time i've heard this so uh, that, was, that was pretty interesting. It's just one of those things that you don't think of. So, hey, kids, you know, use your music under Creative Commons, and this might happen to you. Yeah. You can join <laughs> the ranks of artists who have been used in pornographic film. Exactly. Um, what kind of following does your podcast have? Um, I would say a lot of it is very much based on the artists that we interview. Uh, it, it varies from from show to show. We do have dedicated followers and, and people that we speak to directly. Doug, Doug is a lot more uh, vocal online than I am as far as uh, communicating through uh, social venues. But uh, 
uh, we uh, I would say a lot of it depends on the artists, and uh, that's how we kind of get followers and new people find us is because we'll interview somebody and they'll share it on their show and it'll uh, lead them back to what we're doing. Yeah, we're we're also one of the default podcasts on. Um Oh, I was going to say Media Goblin. Everybody should check out Media Goblin, but that's not uh, G Potter. That's the one. Ah. Uh, we're, we're one of the default podcasts on G Potter. So I didn't know we, that. Yeah. So, or at least we were. Um, but I assume we still are. Do you share your podcast under a Creative Commons license? Yes. Which one? Uh, we use the uh, attribution share alike. Cool. Do you all think copyright should be reformed or abolished or what? Like, what, what's your opinion? It's a big question. I would, well, yeah, it is. <laughs> That's very true. Um, it's funny because I, I think it should be at the very least reformed. Internally, in my band even, they kind of let me make the decision with how we've gone this way. And, you know, I show them, like, look at the benefits of, of releasing our stuff under Creative Commons. But it is still very much an inner struggle between the uh, old ways and the new ways. Uh, and we have so many contradicting arguments about it, uh, you know, and that's why I think there needs to be some sort of rediscussion of what copyright is. I mean, even I originally thought, and so did the members of my band, they, they think the whole, you know, if you, if you mail the, the CD to yourself, you have a default copyright and all those old, uh, those old hacky tricks that you used to do back in the day, back in the 1900s, I like to call them. And, um, and, 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 you know, just like, uh, how will we ever get signed to a label if we do this? And it's like, well, is that really what you want to do these days? Uh, would you not want to find somebody that does, and with the availability of your own self-distribution, why wouldn't you have your own predetermined sort of copyright involved? And, and there are lots of bands that did get signed who later on were like, this isn't for me. I don't like the, like, why did we aspire to do this? There's bands like, uh, uh, there was, wasn't one of them, Doug, the, uh, uh, not fits in the conniptions, but, uh, uh, Lewis Ling and the bombs, uh, I believe oh. just went through a, a very similar thing. Uh, they actually had to go back. I think they even canceled one of our shows, uh, because they kind of couldn't really put their stuff under attribution anymore or something like that. And then they they soon left the label. I may be misquoting this. That's what I do. Uh, but um, there's some yeah, similar it's story. Yeah, sl it's slight, slightly different story than that. But, yeah, they basically weren't in a situation where they, they were trying to do what was right to help an organization. But that organization yeah. didn't understand the whole Creative Commons thing. It wasn't a show that they ended up canceling. We were going to do a... Um, a uh, not comp well, it was going to be a compilation, but a collaboration that's the word with Block Sonic. Yeah. And Lewis Ling and the Bombs was going to be one of the artists featured on that. And so they had to pull out of that collaboration. And basically, there were some other people involved besides us and Block Sonic that I think were really the problem. But uh, I'm not going to name names in that respect. <laughs> right. And I, basically, my point is, is I think that uh, even though the model on the internet and for releasing music, owning your own music and recording it a lot more easily. Um, all the factors of music have changed, but for some reason, everybody still thinks that uh, when it comes to making it, the old model is the way you have to go about it. Even though you can put your own stuff on Spotify, you can release, you can make your own label online if you wanted to. 
and release stuff. You can distribute. You can put it on Amazon. You can do, put it on iTunes. You don't need any, but well, I wouldn't say you don't need anybody for that. But there are much easier ways to do it yourself. I mean, it has come a long way. I've been I've been trying to do this for many years, and just how different it is these days. And that's why I think copyright needs to be revisited because everybody, when it comes down to it, it's like, oh, that's some big legal document that I'm assuming I understand. And uh, you can't, people won't want to work with you if you're, if you're a Creative Commons musician, which very much so, but do you want to work with those people? Because there are other people that will and will probably put in the time and the effort that you need rather than going, well, how are we supposed to make any money off of this? That being their voice, that was my imitation of whoever it is I'm talking about. Yeah, so have you have you run into people like that that are like, oh, Creative Commons isn't isn't a good option. It's not something you should do. Therefore, I'm not going to work with you. Not on the show, um, but uh, there have been some confusing emails that I've had back and forth of people going, well, I thought I could use this for free, and it's like, yeah, but then you have to use it in this similar manner because I put it under share alike. Mm -hmm. no, but we don't want to do that, which you can do. I mean, that's the other thing is if you want to talk directly with the artist. You can ask them if you want to use or if you can use their music in a commercial manner. If you, you know, it, all you have to do is talk to them. It's all completely owned by you. And um, also there, you know, I mean, there's the whole factor that if people do misuse it, you have to kind of let them know like, hey, this is how you do it. And there are realms out there to even take care of that for you. Like uh, Gemendo Pro or uh, CC Mixture has CC Plus, which is how people can go and search for stuff that may not be under the license they want, but they can buy a license for it from the artist directly through that site. And you don't have to go through the legal mumbo jumbo. It just does it for you. And then you sit at home and collect these checks. Yeah, not necessarily like that, but it's, it's, it's at least something so you don't have to deal with going back and forth and negotiating. They can pick like, I'm going to use this for a year in a documentary, or I'm going to use this unlimited for a commercial and they can buy the song and search for it. Uh, and both of those sites have actually uh, pretty good searchable means of doing such a thing. Radio Free Culture is produced by WFMU and the Free Music Archive and is supported in part by a grant from the National Endowment for the Arts. Our theme song this week is The Spider-Man's Nano Loop by Uncle Bibby and can be found at freemusicarchive.org. For more information about the Music Manumet podcast, please visit musicmanumet.com. <laughs>